This is Faith Revisited. Welcome to the podcast. On Faith Revisited, we'll talk about our own church as we're constantly trying to adapt to an ever-changing world as a downtown historic church. We'll talk about United Methodist Matters as our denomination faces an exciting and uncertain future. We'll explore church leadership in the 21st century. And we'll talk to different faith leaders about their perspectives of religion today, how we can be more authentic, stop alienating people, and how faith is more important than ever to connect us to God and each other. Hey, maybe we'll touch on a topic that speaks to exactly where you are in your faith. We won't know until we try, right? Let's do it. Hey everybody, this is Ben uh, from the Faith Revisited podcast. I'm here today with Greg, Greg Atkinson. Uh, we're doing an interview with him. He's got a brand new book, The Secret Power of Kindness. Uh, Greg is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, international speaker, uh, has many, many years of consulting and writing and speaking experience, has sold lots of books. Uh, he's also the founder of the First Impressions Conference. It's an annual event featuring leading voices for first impressions and guest services from around the world and worship impressions uh, as a professional church secret shopper service. Greg also co-founded Social Media Church Conference and is an expert at evaluating a church's online presence and social media. Now, Greg, I say all that in your intro because I'm setting you up to come back on the podcast and just talk about guest services because this is a passion of ours at the Faith Revisited Podcast. But today... We want to first say welcome and congrats on the new book. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you've got a book and I love, I absolutely love the title, The Secret Power of Kindness. What made you write a book on kindness? Well, I, I started working on this actually four years ago and um, about a year and a half, two years ago, our mutual friend, Lynn Wilson, who is the head of the publishing company, flew to my city, met with me at my house. I had sent him the original proposal from four years ago that was a different title with the subtitle being The Power of Kindness. And he read the proposal and he said, Greg, I think this is a great book on just kindness. He said, let's go all in on kindness. And then through a brainstorming meeting with our marketing company, the A Group in Nashville, we came up with the new title, The Secret Power of Kindness. And so it was a lot of collaboration, a lot of brainstorming, but it's something that had been on my heart for four years. That's great. Well, and, you know, I, I think we could just follow a rabbit trail for miles and miles about how the world uh, is such a divisive and angry place sometimes that that kindness really does have a secret superpower. Uh, and so yeah. for readers to really look at what are these keys to unlocking kindness, you have 10 keys to unlocking kindness. And if you want to kind of run through them quickly, because um, I definitely I want people to get just enough of a flavor for this that they want to go buy your book and read more. But what do you think are the 10 keys to unlocking kindness in the world? Yeah, this uh, table of contents with the 10 keys to unlock was also a collaboration. I brainstormed with uh, my lead pastor. I brainstormed with a writer and editor who gave great feedback and we 
tweaked and adjusted the original proposal from four years ago and um, made it fit this new theme of the secret power of kindness. And so we deal with, you know, the book opens up with a very powerful chapter on forgiveness where I share my personal story of abuse and trauma and mental health, father wound, church wound. I share all that for the very first time. I'd written previous books on leadership and hospitality, but they were written to pastors and church leaders and they were very how to, here's how to do this to see this blank result. But I had never had to share my own story of what my life has been like. And so um, now doing a, a book for the first time written to anyone where anybody can pick this up and read it. And I have heard from Christian and non-Christian people who just dig the topic of kindness uh, that have been moved by it. And I've, I've met people and heard from people, grown men and women who told me uh, when I started reading the book, when I read your story in the first chapter, I cried. I, um, I met with a woman last, last week for a TV interview. She started crying the second she saw me and said that she had cried reading my story. I heard from a grown man who said he cried reading my story. I heard from a counselor and therapist who said he's going to recommend the book to his practice and all his clients. And so we wanted to open up with a personal touch of here's, here's who I am to, because a lot of people have not heard of me because if you're not in that pastor church leader niche where my previous books were, you would have no need to read my books. So this was the first one written to anybody. And so I open up with, um, my story of forgiving those who have hurt me and wronged me and how that leads to kindness. Because if you are dealing with unforgiveness and you have a lot of anger and bitterness underneath the surface, you're not going to come across as a very kind person. Uh, you could be very short or angry or abrupt with somebody. Um, and then uh, what I love about this book and the feedback um, that I've been getting is two things. One, a lot of people have said the exact same quote, it's the right message at the right time. And so, as you mentioned, a very divisive world we live in, a divisive country, we needed something, uh, a message like this about kindness. So people have been saying it's the right message at the right time. And then the other feedback that I've got is they love all the stories throughout the book. And so I share a ton of personal stories, and then I share stories throughout history of people who have done some remarkable things. And so the the book is just packed full of stories. And so that forgiveness chapter leads into a chapter on generosity with personal stories and um, some other cool stories. There's a chapter on composure, um, that we keep our calm, keep our cool, and how we interact and deal with people on a day-to-day -day basis. There's a chapter on acceptance, that we love and welcome all people from all backgrounds and all lifestyles. And then there's a chapter on rest, which surprised a lot of people that we would have something so practical as the need for sleep and Sabbath and sabbatical and vacation. I was just telling you, I'm getting ready to have a vacation with my family. And I had a little vacation last week with my wife, but um, there's a whole practical chapter uh, where I go into the power of eights and this whole concept that I've been marinating on for years about how important rest is and sleep is which we see modeled in creation with God taking the seventh day to rest. And so um, it's, a, it's a very practical chapter that will take people by surprise. But again, if you tie that into kindness, if you are 
if you are not well rested and if you are struggling uh, with sleep or you're exhausted, you're going to come across to people as very short, very abrupt, very angry, and will not be very kind. So it's a super practical chapter. Then there's uh, a chapter on wisdom, how we interact with people, uh, whether you run a business or lead a, a nonprofit, or if you're a stay-at-home mom, there's just a lot of things I have to say about wisdom. There's a chapter on empathy that we learn how to be empathetic and love people well, listen to people, be curious. There's a chapter on patience and love. Both are fruits of the spirit, just like kindness is. So I wanted to tie in patience. If we're impatient with people, we're not going to come across as very kind. And so I just dive deep into this whole concept. And the whole book ends with a call for unity. Uh, the last chapter is unlocking unity. And, you know, that was Jesus's last prayer that we, the church, would be one. And so um, uh, the book starts with a sentence and ends with a sentence. Imagine a world where everyone is kind to one another. And so we all have a part to play. We all have a role to play. But when we lead with kindness and interact with kindness in our dealings with people, and, um, and, and that also has a contagious effect. You know, I talk about in the book that kindness unlocks kindness and kindness is contagious. And together we can make a difference and that would lead to a more unified world. And so the subtitle is about um, unlocking your capacity to change the world. And that's something we all do together. I can't control you, but I can control me and how I deal with people. And so if we all were to take this seriously about living a more kind life together, we could change the world. Wow, that's great. I want to go back to a couple of these keys, um, Greg, because they, 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 are, they are so powerful. You've had, uh, you have a very powerful story of, of trauma and hurt in your past. How, I mean, you can, I want people to read the story to, to kind of get all the details, but, but if you, how, how do you sort of use your rear view mirror to look back on that story now that you've kind of gone through the, the hard work of, of acceptance and even forgiveness and all of that? What role does that story continue to play for you? Because you can't erase the past, obviously. So it's there but what role does it now play in your life, this past trauma? I think the role it plays now is to be able to be empathetic towards others who have similar stories, to be uh, a friend, an ally, a brother, uh, somebody who understands what it's like to go through severe personal pain and trauma, uh, to be able to relate to and kind of understand what it's like when I interact with others who have been abused or who have had um, rough circumstances in life. And so uh, for me, I, um, as, I, as I am hearing feedback, you know, the book has just been out a month, four weeks today. And the feedback I'm hearing, uh, like I said, is people said, I cried reading your story. And so it's done a, a huge work in my heart to realize uh, I remember when I went to onsite and they opened up the very first session with a session on trauma called it happened, mm. it happened. And so, um, as I have others read my story, um, and they cry and tell me how much it, it meant to them, it shows me that, wow, what you went through is, is, is real. It's legit. It's something that 
affected my life, you know, and um, it allows me to understand why I've put such a value on counseling and therapy and, and getting the help I need to work through these issues. It also validates that my pain was real, that it's not something to just brush aside or blow off and think, well, that happens to everybody. It's no big deal. When grown men and women come to me and said, I cried reading your story, it's very moving. It lets me know that um, I have a story to tell and that it was, it was, it was real. The trauma was real and that it did affect my life and was something that I've had to uh, deal with over the years, but also allows me to minister to other people, to relate to other people, to understand a little bit of what somebody may or may not have gone through. You know, I say in that chapter that my mentor here in Charlotte, um, when I first met him, he said, Greg, every man or woman has a father wound, a church wound. So I thought in this opening of the book that I would share my father wound and my church wound because a lot of people have father wounds. Um, men and women um, can relate to a father wound and being hurt by somebody they loved or grew up with. And so I wanted to, to share that and just to, you know, our mutual friend, Lynn Wilson, he said early on, he said, Greg, it's, it's easy to write a bestseller, just bleed on the page. And um, this was a work of blood, sweat, and tears, a lot of tears. I still get emotional. I've not been able to read chapter one yet without crying. Um, even when I was editing the book and I read it out loud or had my wife read it out loud to see how it flowed, how it sounded, I couldn't get through it without crying. Uh, it, was a, it was a work of blood, sweat, and tears. And so... Um, this is something that I hope God could use in other people's life to let them um, know that their trauma was real and that it's valid. Uh, you know, in the book, I talk about some of my experiences not being validated by people close to me. And so, you know, that adds more trauma. Um, by the way, it just got released yesterday. If people just want to check out like a Secret Power of Kindness light free version, uh, just got released yesterday on the Version Bible app. And so you can go through, you know, we talked about the 10 keys. You can do a 10-day devotional for absolutely free on the Version Bible app. Just look up the Secret Power of Kindness, and it's a brief devotional each day. And if you like what you see, then maybe you could check out the book. Fantastic. That's great. That's a great plug. We, uh, we need to be sure to put a link of that into the show notes. I appreciate that. I, you know, I can relate with so much of what you're saying. Listeners to the podcast know that I've shared in, in an episode or two recently that I'm now a person in long-term recovery. Um, I've been sober for almost 18 months and, you know, awesome. there's a process that I hear you describing that goes into that work of healing that naming it, you know, whatever it is, um, wrestling with it, doing the work, but also letting go. I, I'm hearing because God has to do a work in you and, and through you, you know, recovery, we, we learn one of the things we learn is we're powerless over people, places, and things. Um, so some of the work we do is, is, is just say, God, give me the willingness to let this go. And, and, and you work something new in my life. Um, and then it's just been in the last few months after that year of kind of a lot of hard work of, of going, okay, now, you know, some of the meaning we can make out of our pain is to share our story so that others don't have to carry their pain 
in science. Right. Absolutely. So that's powerful. I love that. I, I want to hear more too, uh, you know, we talk about forgiveness and trauma and all of this, but but the, the, this falls into the area of the ongoing work of how I hear the power of kindness in our lives daily. The, you mentioned the role of sleep, and um, one of my closet nerdisms is that, especially now in sobriety, I'm really into sleep uh, management. Like I, mm-hmm. that was one of the drivers. I had no idea how much. I mean, besides the other things, how much alcohol was affecting my sleep as I got older. And and so I wear my watch and I do a sleep score and like I'm very regimented about going to bed and waking up and all that. But talk more about what you're finding, just the the power of of the science of sleep and how we're able to be the kind people God wants us to be, even with that. Yeah, I'm the same way. I have my watch. I track my sleep. I have a sleep number bed that also tracks my quality of sleep. Oh, and so you're I am just um, with that sleep. I love that. Yeah. And I, um, I just share a story, a very real story that happened years ago, uh, about a decade ago, I was having back issues and my chiropractor said, tell me about your mattress. How old is your mattress? And I, I had a bad mattress, but I didn't realize that was affecting my back and causing back pain. And he said, Greg, you do realize you spend a third of your life in the bed. And I said, wow, no, I've never heard it said like that before. Because eight hours in a 24-hour day, most Americans sleep eight hours. I didn't realize that a third of our life is spent asleep. And so I went and got a nice bed and a nice mattress and started taking it seriously. As I met with my counselor and therapist, he gave me handouts on sleep hygiene Uh, which I talk about in the book, things that you can do. There are very practical tips that you can do. For example, like not being on screens right before bed. You know, a lot of things that you can practically do to give yourself the best fighting chance for a good night's sleep. And so um, I've tried to, uh, I was just reading another post or article online the other day about this, but I try to cut off my phone at least an hour before I go to bed so that uh, I don't have that image of a bright screen in my eyes and um, try to give myself the best. And I take, you know, supplement like melatonin, like anything to give me a fighting chance because uh, I have wrestled with sleep. And what I have found is that when I am tired, I am not at my best self and I cannot come across all the time as kind. And so, you know, if I were to be a little, little gruff or short with my spouse or my kids and they wonder you know what's going on with dad today you know it's a lot of times it's something as simple and practical as he didn't get a good night's sleep and so i i thought it was appropriate to include in this kindness book because we may be nice people deep down we may be kind in our true heart but if we get a bad night's sleep anything can happen and we could just um, snap at somebody in a heartbeat or come across the wrong way in a meeting with coworkers. And it may be out of character for us. It may not be normal for how we're wired or, or the story and what God's doing in our life and in our heart, but it may be chalked up to, we just had a terrible night's sleep or what's when it really gets bad is when you have multiple bad nights sleep stacked together. And then, um, People will think, you know, Greg's a little off this week. I don't know why he's been in a bad mood. And it's just that, you know, I'm tossing and turning. Or like um, 
this morning I had a vivid dream and then woke up at 4.30. So I've been up since 4.30 and that's not normal for me. And the same thing happened two nights ago. I had a vivid dream, uh, woke up at 4.30 and was up all day and um, just living on caffeine to get me through the day because I was dragging getting up at 4.30. And so I'm very honest in the book that sleep is a battle for me. And um, But there are a lot of um, intentional choices I make when it comes to Sabbath and rest and vacation to try to be as well rested as possible. But it is an ongoing challenge. Yeah, no, that's great. And 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 the truth is we ultimately cannot draw for a well from a well that's empty. Right. Can't make you cannot draw from a well to give someone else when it's dry yourself. So it's it's a it's a great way of self-care. You know, there's more and more secular studies that sleep is this superpower practice yes. a cornerstone um uh in 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 that that has i heard somebody say recently that you know sleep is like compounding interest yeah that you know we think oh that's one bad night of sleep oh that's two but the compound interest it has a ripple effect for days and days and right. get back it's so easy to get off a good sleep schedule but to get back on a good one it takes that much more time I was in Denver um, about a about month and a half ago, almost two two months ago, and I was in Denver for four nights, and I, I had some of the most atrocious sleep scores. Now you know hotels and all of this, and and sure. and I stayed on the time difference, so I went to bed at like eight o'clock. I was up at four o'clock, like I was trying to stay on an Eastern time zone, and then it occurred to me because one of the things you know your watch measures is your blood ox. Right. Now it's a watch, so it's not 100%. But what it picked up on was my blood ox was down like 8%. And I was like, oh, Denver altitude. Right. I Googled it and they were like, yep, if you're an East Coaster and you go out to the Rocky Mountains, your sleep will be. A-. And, you know, it took me about a, 10 days back home of to get where I felt normal again. Yeah, because it's very that- similar to jet lag. Yes, yes, yes. So the point of that is, y'all there's a lot of powerful stuff in Greg's book that, you know, that that's a deeper emotional, psychological, and spiritual. This is a very physical thing that affects all of that. And that is just getting good sleep will make you the kind of person that you need to be. That's great stuff, Greg. Wow. That's awesome. I want to, before we, we end, I want to also just touch on, because you mentioned a really powerful word that I think is so lacking these days. And that is the word unity. Now I'm, Listeners of the podcast know that I'm a United Methodist pastor. We are in the midst of a season of disunity, that right. we are dividing our denomination. And in some ways, I think it's a necessary evil because we're harming each other staying together, but that, you know, too, too closely. But that said, I think we can preserve unity even in our separating and creating distance. But how do you see kindness as a force to unlock unity in the world? Yeah, great question. You know, I think the message of this book is, I I would break it down into a couple things I touch on in the book, forgiveness, love, and then overall kindness. So forgive yourself, forgive others who have hurt you, love yourself, love others, and be kind to yourself, be kind to others. So it always starts with the inward work. It always starts with you. 
But together, when we when we make a, a, a conscious, intentional decision to be kind in our interactions, we, when, and we have started with being kind to ourselves and loving ourselves and forgiving ourselves, but when we choose intentionally to be kind in our day-to-day -day interactions, it has a ripple effect. Kindness unlocks kindness. And I share the example of going through a drive-through and the person ahead of me paying for my meal and what a good mood that put me in and me paying for the car behind me. And, you know, there's, this happens all the time. But um, when it comes to unity, if, if you and I have agreed to be kind to ourselves and kind to each other, uh, the whole gist of the book is together we can change the world. And it may be just our world that we live in, that we're part of, that if we choose in our interactions to treat people as made in the image of God, to treat people with dignity and worth and respect and value, that they are made in the image of God. And so I'm going to treat them with kindness and you treat others with kindness uh, that, that you have received from me together. Excuse me, together we can make a difference. And so um, I wanted to wrap up the book with a call for unity. As you said, we're not very unified right now. The country is pretty divided. But I wanted to put out a call for unity that if we have a, a mutual commitment of kindness towards one another and love and forgiveness and everything, patience, everything that's covered in the book, that together we could see a more unified world and a more unified church. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Greg, thank you so much um, for this interview, for this important book. I mean, for, for our time, for individuals, you know, especially if you're in that summer mood of buying a book that you say, you know, um, I don't want it to be a book that's going to take me a thousand hours to read. You right. know, I want it to be something that's that's going to impact my life in a positive way. Um by Greg's book. I mean, I think if, if we do nothing else this summer as we sort of separate and vacation and all enjoy some downtime, maybe we can come back at the end of the summer and all know what it means to be a little more kind. So thank you so much for your time, for this book, uh, for your efforts and, and just your continued ministry. Appreciate you so much. Thank you. Yeah, as you said, it's a quick, easy read. I sat in my recliner last weekend and read it in two hours cover to cover. But uh, the title is where you go to secretpowerkindness.com. That'll wind you up at the book. And whether you get it instantly on Kindle or the next day via Amazon shipping, uh, you can read it in about two to three hours. It's a very simple conversational read. I'm not an academic writer. I'm not going to talk over your head or do something that makes you think too hard. It's a very conversational, easy read. So that so for those of you who are buying that that uh, trashy book to read on the beach this summer, get Greg's book too, and you can balance it out and know that right. it, it's a quick and impactful read. So, Greg, thank you so much for your time uh, for this book, and thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, you can go and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to the Faith Revisited podcast. Uh, where you subscribe, we would appreciate a, uh, a, a top notch five star review uh, of the podcast. You can access other information through our website, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and we will be back very soon with another episode of the Faith Revisited podcast. Thank you. Mm -hmm.